Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast presented to you by CE. My name is Jack Kaufman. I'm a customer assurance manager here with CE. Disclaimer, all information in the HVAC Tech Tips Podcast is intended for licensed HVAC professionals. All electrical, mechanical, and plumbing work should be performed by licensed trade professionals only. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Today's episode is the autopsy of a compressor with Brooks Whitson. Brooks is one of our customer assurance managers here at CE. Where are you, Brooks? Thanks, Jack. Compressor autopsy. So let me paint a picture. You just arrived at your final call for today. By the time you greet the customer, the sun is set. It's been a long day. You know, darkness is starting to set in. You're hoping that this is a really short call. You know, you walk over to the unit and you hear the classic, hmm, the classic hum. And you're like, oh, man, I hope it's just a a bad capacitor. So you remove the electrical panel to find that the capacitor is pretty new. And from your experience, you know it's not the OEM. So you, you go ahead and you test that capacitor. And unfortunately for you, you know, the capacitor test spot on. You know, so from that point forward, you may have a bad compressor, but you need to make sure that your high voltage is good from the contactor, your compressor windings are okay, you don't have locked rotor amps from the compressor, and confirming that the replacement capacitor is correct, uh, you know, from the manufacturer still needs ruled out. So you want to make sure that the right cap got put on. So you verify that the run capacitor was correct through the manufacturer's app tool on your phone. So you ruled that out. Your supply voltage from the contactor was 238 volts and the compressor plug wasn't damaged and you also ohmed out okay. And the PSE compressor ohm values add up and when you make the compressor, you know, it didn't show any resistance to ground. The compressor draws 90 amps when it tries to start, and the locked rotor amp rating on the data plate is 75 amps. So in a good attempt, you grab a start capacitor kit and just try to see if you can jumpstart that compressor. So the next cycle draws about 84 amps. So you go over and you talk to the homeowner and and share the bad news. Uh, You know, the compressor has died and the compressor will need replaced. So the compressor is still under the manufacturer's warranty in this scenario. So the customer agrees to the repair. So, you know, you went above and beyond diagnosing that the compressors failed. However, you didn't determine why it failed in the first place. And, you know, two weeks later, that compressor that you put in actually failed again. So, we as HVAC techs, we need to diagnose kind of like doctors and investigate cause of death, kind of like coroners do. So in this podcast, we're going to go over some compressor diagnostic tips that you can implement before, you know, during and after the repair to just help eliminate callbacks, and which we all know can hurt the bottom line um, and sometimes even our egos. So, so HVAC techs will most commonly work on two types of uh, electrically wound compressors. There are permanent split capacitant, and uh, that's PSC for short, and then also three-phase compressors. 
So uh, each type of compressor has a common, a run, and a start winding. And PSE compressor windings can be measured with an electrical meter and you know, checked if their values add up. You would ohm out common to run, common to start, and then run to start. If you combine the ohm values from common to run and common to start, the total ohm value should be the same as the run to start reading. So example, uh, if you had 1.5 ohms for common to run and common to start was 2 ohms and run to start was 3.5 ohms, then they would add up okay. And now, three-phase compressor winding should be the same. So example, common to run was 1 ohm, common to start would be 1 ohm, and run to start would be 1 ohm. And these are all just examples, but they all should match each other on a three-phase. Now, the ohm readings should fall within 2% of each other. Now, you also want to check each winding potential to ground. Now, the simplest but not as accurate method is to use the continuity function with your meter leads. I know everybody or most guys uh, and, and women listening to this know the continuity beep sound. Now, that's a very good way to do it in simple way, but not the most accurate. And I'll explain. So if you, if you touch a compressor pin with one meter lead and then another meter lead to ground, if there's a path to ground, then you'll hear the beep for continuity. Um, now, a tip when measuring resistance is uh, when you touch your leads together first, you make sure that you read close to zero ohms or hear that continuity beep. If your leads aren't sensing correctly, then your diagnosis may be a little bit invalid. So, um, you know, and also sometimes a compressor or any motor for that matter will only show resistance to ground once the motor has warmed up. So sometimes it takes several failed attempts for that compressor to start to kind of heat up and for windings to expand to actually get a reading to ground. Um, so now checking ohms to ground is the pr uh, preferred method. Now any resistance measured with a multimeter to ground uh, that is less than one mega ohm to ground, that actually has a path to ground and is electrically failed. Now, any reading that is greater than one mega ohm to ground or infinite resistance to ground would be electrically okay. Now, you can also use a, a, a megometer and test the uh, motor insulation values to ground, and the megometer will indicate the condition of your motor windings, uh, and it's basically just testing the uh, the shellac, uh, the coating on the windings, how, how uh, you know thick they are actually, and the quality of that uh, insulation, but you know, a PSC compressor will often take uh, disconnects, fuse, um, or trip the outboard unit's breaker when it's grounded. Now, an inverted inverter-driven compressor can potentially still run grounded, but uh, will often alert uh, controls of an overcurrent event. So, you know, a three-phase inverter-driven compressor can run grounded. But hopefully you've got a, a board telling you that there's an overcurrent event that can kind of lead you to that path. Um, a PSE compressor will need the unit specify high voltage at its common and run terminals. So typically this is 208 to 230 volts AC. Then the start winding connects to a run capacitor that must be within the compressor's spec uh, microfarad rating. If the compressor voltage is too low, or the run capacitor is weak, then the compressor will most likely not start. Now, a three-phase compressor must have even voltage supplied at each winding. You would check each of the compressor's wire 
uh, all, all three wires to ground to make sure that all the voltages are within 2% of each other. You should, all, um, you should always amp the compressor and compare the lock rotor amp rating to what you measure. Now, if the compressor's amperage exceeds the lock rotor amp rating, then it has failed to start. Now, compressors can electrically test okay, but mechanically can fail. So when determining the compressor mechanically has failed, you first must prove that the compressor has the proper voltage. Your windings ohmed out okay per the manufacturer specs. Uh, windings don't have a path to ground and start components function correctly. You know, compressors, rotor, or crankshaft can become physically stuck. In this situation, your compressor amps would meet or exceed the lock rotor amp rating listed on the unit's data plate. Compressors that have a no pump condition will have a very low amp draw. You know, the amp draw will be significantly less than the rated load amps or RLA on the unit data tag. Uh, a functioning compressor will make temperature change. So if you suspect the compressor is not pumping, you should take two temperature devices and place one on the inlet pipe of the compressor and the other at the discharge pipe of the compressor. If the temperature difference between both are similar, then the compressor is bypassing. You know, possibly the piston or valves aren't seated in a recip compressor or in a scroll compressor, the orbital plates um, you know, might have a piece of wrap broken or uh, you know, or maybe, you know, they're actually elevated to where that orbital plate's kind of elevated and bypassing that way. Um, but a good compressor makes temperature change. Now, a three-phase compressor can no pump when the supply power is out of phase. So, uh, you commercial guys know this. So, phasing should be verified by a phase meter. On a commercial unit, you can switch uh, two of your incoming power wires to change the phasing and then see if your system begins to operate normally. Now, pay close attention on your job's line set sizes, the lengths, vertical separations, um, you know, those things, uh, you know, lines installed that exceed your manufacturer specs or that place your specific job into a long line application, that most likely will require additional piping alterations or accessories. Now, a compressor may fail to start if long line accessories are ignored and not installed. So long line applications can reduce oil return and system overall capacity. Another part is liquid migration during the all cycle is the silent killer to compressors. So in the winter time, the compressors become one of the coldest spots in the system and liquid refrigerant will try to get back to the compressor. In long line scenarios, that rush of liquid coming back into the compression, uh, compressor can wash the oil out of the sump. You know, the sump is the lowest point of the compressor that holds the oil. It's, it's kind of like the oil pan in your car. So the compressor will not have adequate lubrication on the next cycle and run in a vulnerable state. Now, the liquid refrigerant can also fill in the orbital plates of a scroll compressor or get in a piston chamber of a recip compressor and cause damage due to the compressor struggling to compress a liquid. And, and you know, from science, we know it's very hard to compress liquid or if not impossible to. So now attempting to compress a liquid will break the strongest of metals. Now a scroll compressor starting against the liquid will make a metallic grinding noise and a reciprocating compressor will whine uh, when liquid refrigerant floods back. So these are kind of noises that um, you'll kind of have to, have to experience in the field and will be different than if we would include them on audio here. But 
Now, <clears throat> a refrigerant overcharge or floodback uh, and liquid migration aren't the only scenarios to aid the compressor failure. A lack of refrigerant uh, often cooks compressors, so restrictions such as failed metering devices or a refrigerant leak will starve the compressor for refrigerant. You know, refrigerant is a natural coolant that keeps a compressor electrical windings cool. So the electrical insulation coating around the compressor windings start to degrade when the temperatures elevate above 250 degrees. You know, that varnish applied to the compressor windings will start to break down and mix with the refrigeration system. The varnish winding coating is acidic so this is where you get the term burnout. Eventually, the coating may become thin enough to not insulate itself from the ground or potential to ground and then short out. You know, so that's our burnout. You know, burnouts require special repair methods. You want to first use an acid test um, kit to verify the necessary cleanup steps uh, are required. You know, if you got acid present, you need to make sure you follow the correct procedure procedures. So if your system has acid present, you may not indicate it on your acid test. And, and making the compressor is a good way to test the condition of your windings varnish. Mild burnouts will have a minuscule to no trace of odor, you know, and improper evacuations can leave refrigeration uh, circuits in a vulnerable state. You know, moisture in a refrigeration system can form an organic acid that will cause internal component corrosion and lead to system failure. So a good micron gauge and changing vacuum pump oil and purging with nitrogen, it's it's critical. It really is. It, you know, so testing the compressor oil for acid may still show negative. Now, the oil can look clear or slightly discolored with mild acid in the system. On the repair, you would remove any strainers and clean or replace them. Now, the liquid line dryer must be replaced, uh, followed with a tight, deep vacuum. A triple evacuation uh, with, the, with a micron gauge on the system and not on the pump is the preferred method for evacuation. So make sure you're isolating your micron gauge on the system with the pump not actively drawing against that micron gauge and the system to make sure you have a tight, deep vacuum. And there should be... Uh, when you do that, an isolation valve to shut off the vacuum to the system, um, you know, so you can, you know, accurately read uh, your pressure from your micron gauge. Now, the refrigerant and uh, oil will have a repulsive pungent odor on a burnout that has a dark uh, oil, um, you know, very pungent odor. You will have dark oil on, on a very severe burnout. Now, very special care must be taken with cleaning up a severe burnout. You know, the TXV must be cleaned or replaced. Uh, they have strainers in them most often. The accumulator should be drained out and if not replaced. Um, now, the suction line dry, uh, a suction line dryer should be installed between the accumulator and compressor and uh, replace the liquid line dryer. Now, it is suggested to operate the system for either 10 consecutive hours or three days of normal operation. Uh, you monitor the pressure drop across your suction line dryer. If pressure drop uh, across any dryers greater than three PSI, then replace the suction and liquid dryers and repeat the 10 hour or three day maximum operating time procedure. Um, and repeat the 10 hour, three day monitoring test until pressure drops are less than three 
psi pressure drop across any uh dryer now once the pressure drop is less than three psi then replace the liquid line dryer and fully remove the suction line dryer and uh you do not want to leave that suction dryer in the system once you have it cleaned up fully um, the system should be retested with the negative acid test to ensure proper cleanup was performed now there are different additives that you can put in a system uh, acid away scavenger um, we're mainly talking with what manufacturers are recommending here uh, as far as uh, you know manufacturers are, are mainly going to just approve refrigerant and oil in a system um, you know, there's a lot of products that are good tools uh, out there, um, but we're mainly covering kind of what what's suggested by a manufacturer at this point in this podcast. So um, now technicians should examine their compressors oil to uh, better determine compressor cause of failure. And this is important. Uh, the failed compressors oil should be carefully poured out into a dedicated measuring cup. You'll want to compare how many ounces of oil you've got out of that compressor versus the ounces listed on the compressor's data plate tag. Now, if the amount measured is significantly less than the failure, uh, it, you know, then that's probably due uh, to loss of lubrication. And this could be from improper piping sizes, uh, incorrect piping lengths, uh, refrigerant line traps, extreme sags. Uh, low load or, or uh, conditions, short cycling, uh, and if it's a heat pump, yeah, a clogged J tube orifice, which uh, you know that returns the oil back to the compressor. So that's a common one that can happen. <clears throat> now, if the uh, oil volume is low, look into those. Uh, look into other possibilities first, and and then if those check out fine, replace that accumulator because that's probably a clogged uh, orifice in the accumulator. So just rule out those other things first. Now, once you determine if compressor oil is adequate or inadequate, then inspect the oil for any other material than the oil itself. So if you see fine uh, to small pieces of shiny metal, then possibly the refrigerant pipes weren't deburred or a compressor uh, or compressor internals are wearing down. Um, you know, the refrigerant could be flooding uh, the compressor with liquid refrigerant. You know, so if this describes your oil, then you need to inspect your evaporator for cleanliness uh, and does it have a lack of airflow across it um, the metering device will need to be inspected and tested once the new compressor is uh, up and running an overfeeding metering device will simulate uh, like an overcharge system and can cause compressor flooding you know running the system at lower design indoor temps can also cause this now if, if the compressor oil has small chunks of metal then it's possible that the unit is flooding at startup. Now, the compressor will typically grind hard at startup and then gets quieter as it continues to run. <clears throat> now, the noise comes from the liquid washing the oil out of the uh, compressor sump, and that causes insufficient lubrication. Um, now, technicians, you guys should inspect for long line applications that require crankcase heaters liquid line solenoid valves, uh, hard start assists, uh, and non-bleed TXVs, depending on your manufacturer and what they recommend. Now, if your compressor oil has large chunks of metal, then possibly uh, liquid refrigerant is slugging against that compressor. Now, uh, buried refrigerant lines can also cause this. Now, it, it's best to really avoid any buried refrigerant lines. Um, most manufacturers will not approve buried line applications. Um, you know, the indoor coil being 
above the outdoor unit without an inverted suction loop uh, can also cause uh, slugging. Uh, one symptom of slugging is a compressor terminal pin blowing out. So to summarize this podcast, uh, up, um, proper installation and repair procedures will always lead to a best mechanical life. Um, Jack, uh, what would you like to share with our audience? Well, Brooks, I think you hit on every point. Guys, thank you for listening. This is all we have for you on this episode. We can be reached at cma.techtips at careenterprise.com. Thank you for listening once again. 